0: What if your worst moment could become your best story? What if your worst moment could become your best story? Well, we saved the best miracle for last. And at the beginning of Easter week, it's also the miracle that was one of the straws that broke the proverbial camel's back because it was one of the miracles that began to get Jesus in trouble with the authorities. Today, we're talking about the resurrection of Lazarus, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And it was one of those moments that, of course, uh, made uh, the crowd following Jesus get bigger. It was one of those miracles that made the the uproar around Jesus get louder and the commotion get more intense. And it was one of those moments when the authorities said, maybe it would be best if we just kill him and they succeeded, at least for a few days, but that's next week. It, um, it's a shame because they missed a really great opportunity to learn some powerful lessons in this incredible story, that our worst moments can become our best stories and that God can work miracles to give meaning to our darkest valleys. And I'll bet you've had a few dark valleys. If you're brand new here, you're joining us uh, online and you're new watching, thanks so much for joining us here at Mountaintop as we conclude this series called Miracle. My name's Carter and I get to be the pastor here. I'm so grateful if I haven't had a chance to meet you. Uh, I want to just go out on a limb and say that, that I, would, I would guess that if your life were a graph, does anybody like graphs? Some, we got some people, anybody like graphs? If your life was a graph, you would want your life to look like this, right? Up and to the right. You ever heard that terminology? I love that language. I use that term a lot that I we want things to be up and to the right. That things are always moving forward, things are always looking up, things are, are always, um, you know, improving. I'm always growing, and everything is just up and to the right in life. If you could script your life and you can make your life a graph, wouldn't you make it to look like this? You you get more success, more money, more health, uh, more blessings that things just seem to go up and to the right and they're just getting better and better and better and better and better. You want things to be up and to the right. But in reality, our lives are a little bit messier and they look more like this, right? I mean, this is what life looks like. You've got some seasons of growth, and you had this great experience, and then you had a some some sometimes we kind of have seasons of stagnation, and then you've had some mighty falls, you have had some dark moments, you have had some, some deep valleys. Everybody does. A divorce, a death in the family. Bankruptcy, really difficult time with a family member, a really difficult time at work, an illness. In fact, some of you came today and you would say, that, hey, Carter, this, I'm right there. I'm, I'm right here. I'm in the darkest time I've ever been in. I'm in the deepest valley. For some of us, the whole last year in a global pandemic, has been a deep, deep valley. Well, I wanna give you, uh, really the point of this is a dangerous move for a preacher, okay? I wanna give you the point of the message right at the beginning, but you have to promise to listen to the rest of it. Here's what I wanna tell you. Your greatest trial can become God's greatest triumph. Your greatest trial, your darkest valley can become a victory. Your deepest and deepest and and worst moment can become your best story. Your greatest trial can become God's greatest triumph in your life. But I want, and we're all like, yeah, come on, listen, that's what we sing about, right? But I would like you to just imagine just saying that comment to Lazarus. Lazarus. How do you see your life going? Well, you know, I'm sure there'll be some times that are a little flat, but I imagine they're going to kind of go up and to the right. I've got a good family. I've got a good job. I mean, things seem to be looking up. That's the way I think it's like, well, actually, Lazarus, the most famous part of your life is going to be when you're wrapped in grave clothes. Oh, is there going to be a mistake at the hospital? Oh, no, Lazarus, you're going to die. But don't worry. This is going to be the best story of your life. Well, I mean, nobody wants that to be their story, right? We all want to experience the triumph. We all want to experience the victory, but we don't want to have to go through the trial. We don't want to have to walk through the valley. For those of you that are in the room, you came in, we gave you one of these, and maybe if you're at home, uh, you know, head to the kitchen real quick and grab an old dish towel or an old dish rag, just something that kind of looks a little ratty. And for those of you that are here, if you would just kind of grab this, and I just want you to think about what was your deepest valley? What has been your greatest trial? What has been the thing in your life? And maybe you're walking through it right now. That's just been deadly. Could it become your greatest triumph? What would it look like for it to be that? Because none of us planned for it to go this way. Lazarus Lazarus would have said like, you know, it's funny. I didn't see death as a part of my plan for the rest of my life. But that was a plan that God had for it to become his greatest triumph. Lazarus' story is found in John chapter 11. So if you got your Bibles open uh, in your, or you're at home and you're on, or you got your app, whatever it is, open your Bibles there to John chapter 11 and we've got some Bibles at the bookshelves when you exit, if you will grab one of those too if you don't have a physical copy, we want that to be our gift to you. Now, I hope this week or today if you go if you're part of our Facebook group or you're getting our emails uh, you can read just the whole thing John and John 11 it's it's a 44 45 verses it's a really long we're not going to read the whole thing we're going to kind of walk through the passage and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it what you need to know is that Jesus and Lazarus are very close friends a lot of times Jesus works miracles for just almost complete strangers. He's on the road and a woman comes and grabs his, the, the, the hem of his coat or a complete stranger comes up to him or people yell, son of David, please heal us. It's, it's people he's never met before in his whole life, but not Lazarus. Lazarus, along with his sisters, Mary and Martha, are very close friends of Jesus. They're mentioned all over the gospel stories. Uh, some scholars believe they might even be family friends. These are like, you know, you know, cousins that aren't really your cousins. Those kinds of people in your life, you've got those. They're very close with Jesus. And Jesus has just left Jerusalem. Now, Mary and Martha and jo- and Lazarus live in Bethany, which is only about two miles, really less than two miles from Jerusalem. But Jesus has left that region because <laughs> they were trying to kill him. The 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 clamor was getting so loud around Jesus, and uh, the authorities uh, had actually decided that they were going to stone him the last time he was in Jerusalem. So Jesus wasn't quite ready to go to the cross yet, so he, he kind of gets, he, he goes to the other side of the Jordan River to continue teaching, healing, leading, he's just getting away from where things are a little too hot, and they're a little hot in Jerusalem and the surrounding communities. So at the, the point in the story that we pick it up, Jesus is about probably 20, 21 miles away from the Bethany, Jerusalem area. A cu- that's a couple days walk uh, for a, a whole group, of, for a whole band to go. And the sisters, Mary and Martha, send some messengers to Jesus. I mean, he's just left Jerusalem. He's just left the region and they send some messengers after him. And they tell him, that Lazarus is sick. In fact, the word they use, it says the one you love is, is ill. And the word for love there in the Greek, there's several words for love, but the word for love there is the, the Greek word philio, which we get the city of Philadelphia from, and what's Philadelphia known as the city of what? Brotherly love. Jesus, the one who's like a brother to you, is sick. He, he's ill. He's not doing well, Jesus. And Jesus, I just want to say this. He responds in such a way that it's kind of disturbing. It's confusing. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I want to just unpack these few verses before we read the rest of the story, because they set up the rest of the story. Listen to what Jesus says when, the, when the, the messengers come and tell him that, listen, this Lazarus, who's like your brother, is sick, he's not doing well. Listen to what Jesus says. When he heard this, when Jesus got the news, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. I don't like that. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he, listen to this sentence, this sentence doesn't even make sense. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I want to tell you this this is a troubling passage. And here's why it's troubling to me. I find that this whole, I find it kind of this whole thing kind of lacking. Okay? And what I want to and the reason that's important is because when you are going through a valley in life, what God is doing sometimes feels like it's lacking. What how God is moving sometimes feels like it's lacking. But we, we so let me just tell you something. The first thing I don't like is the lack of clarity. In what Jesus says it's almost like um, it's what he won't say do you remember what he says it's not what he says it's kind of what he doesn't say it says that this will not what's that word end in death now if I'm Lazarus I'm going like I would like for it to say this will not include death this is not, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, Hey, don't, you know, listen, tell the gals, don't worry about it. If things take a turn for the worse, everything's going to be okay. I'm uncomfortable because of this lack of clarity. And sometimes, have you ever been going through a valley in your life? Have you ever been going through a trial in your life and you can't get clarity from God? It's not a good feeling. I don't like this lack of clarity. I don't, want this, I don't want this Jesus in my life to be like, well, you know, listen, it's not going to end badly. Is it going to include some bad things? Eh. I want Jesus, I don't know about y'all, I want Jesus to be a helicopter savior in my life. You know, you've heard of helicopter parents? I want him to be a helicopter saver, like to shield me, protect me, give me that hedge of protection, cover me, protect me from all the bullies, make all the bad things go away, Jesus, make all the boogeyman's at night go away. I don't want anything bad to happen to me. I want Jesus to be a helicopter savior. And he says, well, you know, listen, here's, I just wanna tell you, it just won't, no matter how things bleak, how bleak they look, it won't end in death. But I'm thinking, well, I'm worried more about the start and the middle than the ending because it sort of seems like I'm going to have to live through it. And um, for Lazarus, it means he was going to have to die through it to get to the end that didn't end in this. So the first thing that's troubling to me about this, these verses, is there's a lack of clarity. The the, the next thing is like there's this lack of security. There's this lack of security because We want things, come on, come on, we want things to be all about us. We want things to be all about us. And Jesus says, well, let me just tell you what this is about. Do you remember what it said in the passage? Let me refresh your memory. It it said this in the passage. Uh, This is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified. Well. Could I just have a little bit of God's glory and not like the whole thing? (laughs) Because it sounds like for God's glory to be in my life and for God to be glorified in my life, it's going to have to go through some hard things, and I'm not sure I really want that. That sounds hard. This doesn't seem fair to Lazarus, does it? This doesn't seem fair because I keep wondering, and the reason I'm, I'm I'm uncomfortable with this, I keep wondering if this, what I'm going through is simply because God wants to reveal the power of Jesus in my life And that makes me uncomfortable because it reveals that there are things I can't control. And what I would like to believe is that if I'm obedient and faithful, that things will always work out and go smoothly. But that's not true, is it? In fact, I've often found that that's the opposite of the case. That's what the scriptures seem to say is the opposite of the case. Jesus was obedient and faithful and it got him across. John the Baptist was obedient and faithful and it got him beheaded. The Apostle Paul and the disciples were obedient and faithful. It got them arrested and persecuted, and every Old Testament prophet was obedient and faithful, and it got them outcast from society. Is that sometimes when we are most obedient and most faithful, it can lead to some of the most difficult times in our lives. It can just because you are going through a valley, just because you are going through a trial, doesn't mean you haven't been obedient and faithful. It might be because you have been obedient. And faithful. That's, I don't like that. I don't want that to be true. There's a lack of security there. And then there's this lack of thing. This is the thing that's the most bothersome about it. Come on, right? Is the lack of urgency. Like, come on, Jesus, like get on your horse and let's, let's come on, come on, come on. Because did you remember that nonsensical verse in there? It made no sense. It says that he loved them, so he stayed where he was two more days. All right, wives, I just want you to imagine this. You're like, honey, can you please clean the garage up today? We don't have much going on this Saturday. And your husband responds, sweetheart, because I love you, I'll do it in two more days. It doesn't even make sense, right? Imagine telling your kids, hey, listen, you got to clean the roo- your room today. Mom and dad, because I love you, I'm going to give it two more days. You, no, you might not live two more days, with an answer, right? With an answer like that. It doesn't even make sense. Honey, can you pick up this thing I need at the store? Well, sweetheart, because I love you, I'm going to make you wait two more days for it. Like, I don't want that to be true about Jesus. I want him to have some urgency. I mean, when I pray, I'm like, Jesus, would you fix it right now? Could you come like yesterday? We need it done right now. I want you to move right now. You would only say something like that if you thought that somehow, if you knew something about tomorrow that I don't know, you, you, see, it would only, you would only do that if you knew that somehow waiting would be better. But come on, when you're in the thick of it, when you are down in the valley, waiting never seems better when you're waiting. But Jesus seemed to think, seemed to believe that waiting was gonna write the best story and bring the most glory to God. So they wait, two days. And then Jesus says to his disciples, it's time to go to Jerusalem. We need to to get there. Our friend Lazarus is sleeping And I'm going to go and wake him up. Now, the (laughs) the first thing that they say is like, well, Jesus, this is a bad idea. Don't you remember they were trying to kill you uh, before? And I don't think you should. No, no, no. I've got to go. He is sleeping, and I'm going to go there and wake him up. And so they have this whole kind of argument and conversation with Jesus where they're like, well, listen, you know, rest is really the best medicine, Jesus. If he's asleep, that's how you get better. I mean, that's what you do when you're sick. You just take a good long nap and just get some rest. He'll be better in the m-. The best thing for him is sleeping. And the reason they have this, this is a really kind of funny moment in the scripture, in the story, because Jesus is using what is a common kind of euphemism to talk about someone dying, And we have the same thing. In their culture, they would often say that he went to rest with his fathers or he went to sleep. Because people do that when they talk about death, don't they? I I took a a seminary class. It was one of of the most impactful ones I took on death and dying and helping people walk through death. And one of the things I remember from that class is how we don't like to use the word dead or death think about it. When you talk about a loved one, we say they passed away. They passed on. They went to be with Jesus. They're not with us anymore. And we kind of use these phrases because it, it feels a little softer than saying, she's dead he's dead, that feels so final. So that was kind of what Jesus was saying is that he's asleep. So they have this argument with Jesus like, no, you don't need to go back then. Listen, let him sleep 10 or 12 hours, he'll be fine in the morning. And Jesus says, numbskulls. Jesus, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Lazarus is dead. He's not asleep, he's dead. And this is the sentiment that we're gonna see over and over again, that this is bigger than Lazarus. Jesus says, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad he's dead, Jesus says. But I'm just thinking, well, what about for Lazarus' sake? It sort of seems like it'd be better for him if you would have been there, Jesus. But this isn't about Lazarus. Jesus says this is for the disciples and for everyone else who will be around. And here's what you need to know about your valley. Here's what you need to know about your test. Here's what you need to know about your trial. Is that what you were going through might not be about you. What you are going through might not be about you. And when we are in the dark valley, when we are in the deepest pit, we have a tendency to grovel in our own self because we want want it to be fixed. We want it to be better. We want to be made whole. We want to be brought out of it. But what you are going through might not be about you. Parents, what you're going through might not be about you. It might be about your children seeing you in the deepest pit. Trust God anyway. Be faithful to God anyway. Be obedient to God anyway. So that one day when they're going through a trial all their own, they will have seen what it looks like. It might not be about you. It might not be about you. It might be about your neighbor who thinks all Christians are frauds and Christianity is a joke, but he sees you, she sees you going through a trial, going through a valley, and they see faithfulness and they see obedience, and it might turn the dial for them to believe, to understand what they believe about real, real authentic faith. It might not be about you. It might be about your coworker. It might be about your nephew. It might be about your niece. It might be about your friend what you're going through might not be about you so would you just trust God in the valley if he doesn't get you out of it right yet what you're going through it might not be about you it might be about Jesus revealing his glory through you but that doesn't mean it's easy well they finally get to Bethany and Martha comes running out Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, Jesus, if you'd have just shown up a day earlier, four days earlier, I think Lazarus been dead about four days. If you had just shown up, you know, when I sent the messengers, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you Whatever you ask, there's a hint of belief in Martha's voice that's going to be important later on. And Jesus, his response is pointing to a better future. He says this to her. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha's thinking, yes, of course I do. Jesus, I've known you. I mean, they know who Jesus is. They've seen Jesus. They have grown up with Jesus. They have watched his ministry. They believe, but she's still thinking down the road. She's still thinking like, you know, this is like a future hope of resurrection, not Today. And then Mary finally makes her way out. And she says almost the exact same thing. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, does that sound familiar? My brother would not have died. If you'd have just been here, you just showed up too late. If you'd have just shown up on time and and, and they take Jesus to the tomb And everyone's weeping and everyone's mourning. And here's the interesting thing. There's a few people huddled around. And John writes that there are a few people who kind of mutter, you know, I mean, he he healed some of those blind men. I mean, surely if he would have, surely if he'd have been here sooner, he could have helped Lazarus too. But guess what? Maybe, maybe he can't show off unless he shows up later than you want. You ever been in a valley? You ever been in a trial? And you ever prayed for God to just show up right now, just move right now, just at this minute? But maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's a purpose. Maybe God's timing isn't your timing. Maybe his ways aren't your ways. And maybe he can't show off unless he shows up later than you want. Maybe Jesus don't, doesn't want to just do a regular size miracle in your life. Maybe he wants to show off in your life. And for him to show off, he's gonna have to show up later than you want, later than I want. Are you in a valley right now that you are praying through? Are you in a pit right now that you are crying out to God through and you're saying, why won't you just show up? Maybe he wants to show off. Um, This happened in a small way for us a couple of years ago. So uh, early July of 2019, uh, I had been talking to the elders at Mountaintop to uh, about the possibility of becoming pastor here. And they called Emily and I for an interview. And, and we came and had just an incredible weekend of discussion and prayer and conversation with the elders and, uh, and got to meet some, some other people at the church. It was just a really great weekend. And we did something totally out of character for us because we're by nature fairly conservative, especially when it comes to money. Um when we were in town, also we were looking at houses, and we found a house that we just felt um we just felt led to I, you know i don't know if God calls you to houses we just felt led to it that kind of seems like kind of crazy and so the the interview went so well that weekend, and we just felt like i'm they're gonna call me to be pastor probably early in the week and um so we put an offer on a house and put earnest money down on a house. It's crazy, crazy. And uh, so, you know, like a week goes by and we're like, well, we, you know, we haven't been called in the, you know, I'm, I'm continuing conversation with the elders like, well, we're still praying about things. We're still, you know, talking, we're praying to God. Like, come on, snap to it. Let's go. I got some earnest money, God. <laughs> right. My realtors like calling me like, hey, how's it going? You know, what are we doing? You know, well, we're not quite quite there yet. It doesn't seem like I need a house in Birmingham if I don't have a job in Birmingham. So, um, And we get to like the day before the earnest money is going to be gone, and we have to pull the offer and pull the earnest money out. And the next day, the house goes back on the market $20,000 cheaper. And we're like, oh, shoot. It's going to fly off the market. And we go through the rest of july and we still haven't been called to mountaintop and we're watching zillow every day and we're like stay blue little dot stay blue you know what i'm talking about the blue dot like don't get yellow don't don't get yellow or orange and definitely don't be you know don't be uh, under contract don't do it stay blue little dot And we go the whole month of August and it's still sitting there, $20,000 cheaper than the offer we had put on it and we're waiting on God and we're praying, please God, we feel led to Mountaintop, we feel called to Birmingham. And finally in mid-September on a Sunday afternoon, Doug Mills who was chair of the elders at the time called me to be pastor at Mountaintop and I went and hugged Emily and we cried and we prayed and before I called my mama, I called the realtor And I said, put an offer back on that baby. And we got the same house, $20,000 cheaper. Sometimes if God wants to show off, and I told Emily, and the Lord's going to hold me to this, I know this. I said, "If, if the Lord pulls this off, those whole two months we were waiting, I said, I will never not trust God's timing again. Sometimes he wants to show off, but that means he's gonna have to show up later than you want. Is it okay if he shows up later? And so Jesus gets to um, the tomb, everybody's crying, muttering, and he says, I want you to take the stone away. And this is one of the funniest verses in the Bible to me. Listen to what it says. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. Yeah, it stinks in there. (laughs) Are you sure about that? I mean, by this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days, and summer's in Jerusalem ain't no joke. Are you sure about that? Are you sure you want to do that? It stinks in there. But sometimes a miracle requires opening up what stinks. And are you a willing are you, are you willing to open up the smelliest parts of your life, the smelliest parts of your past, the smelliest parts of your heart, and the smelliest parts of your, your soul? Are you willing to open up the attitudes that stink, your thoughts that stink, your relationships that stink? Are you willing to say, I don't really want you to see what's in there, God, because it stinks, but I'm going to let you in, Jesus, because you're the only one that can make the stinky thing in there that's dead come alive. If you want Jesus to do a miracle in your life, it might mean opening up the smelliest part of your soul to him. And Jesus' response is fascinating. Then Jesus said to Martha, to Mary and their family and friends there, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? You know what's fascinating to me about this? It doesn't say that if Lazarus believes. Do you know why? Because he's dead. He doesn't believe anything. If you believe Martha and Mary, if you would believe and all your friends and all your neighbors and all your your cousins and, and family that's here, if you would believe. And sometimes, sometimes, the Lord needs us to believe on someone else's behalf. Parents, could you believe for your son, for your daughter? Could you believe for your nephew, for your niece? Could you believe for your coworker? Could you believe for your friend who feels as far gone as, as Lazarus? They might be spiritually dead, but would you believe for them? Would you take Jesus to the smelliest parts of their lives and believe on their behalf? Even though they, can't, they don't even know how to believe. Would you believe for them? Would you believe for someone by inviting them to Easter service? Would you believe for them? And then Jesus, I mean, you got to read the rest of the story. So they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he said this, he, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, you have to call loud because dead people can't hear well. Come out brother. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Let him go. Lazarus was dead. There was no hope, but Jesus wanted to do something to reveal his glory in his life. And you might have a situation that feels like it is hopeless, that feels like it is dead. But I want you to know something. Your greatest trial can become God's greatest triumph. Your darkest valley can become his greatest victory in your life. Your greatest trial can become God's greatest triumph against all hope, against everything that makes sense. The place that is the smelliest in your life can become a triumph. And this is why this is so important. You have no idea what God might use, how God might use you in it. Don't miss this last verse, verse 45. Therefore, Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary, you think there were any of those that had been in Jerusalem a week or two before with a stone in their hand ready to kill Jesus? Maybe. Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. And I just want you to just think about years later when someone would ask their testimony, how did you come to faith in Jesus? And they would say, well, it was at a funeral. I went to see my friends, Mary and Martha, their brother had died. But something happened at that funeral that had never happened at any funeral I'd ever been to. (laughs) Their brother came back to life. And at that moment, I decided that I believe. Do you think that the trial was worth it to Lazarus for that story in their lives? Do you think that God might be able to use your trial? Do you think that God might be able to use your valley to do something amazing in this world? Your greatest trial can become God's greatest triumph. If you are in the valley, if you are in the pit, if you are feeling absolutely completely dead, I want you to know something. You have no idea what God is doing while you're in the tomb. You have no idea how God is working when you can't see it. You have no idea what God is planning. But brothers and sisters, I want you to tell you something. He is still planning something. Because Jesus is still in the resurrection business. And he is still resurrecting dead marriages and dead hearts. And he is still resurrecting dead careers and dead relationships. And he is still resurrecting people dead in addiction and dead in affliction. He is still resurrecting people who were dead in grief and dead in hurt and heartache and dead in regret. And he is still resurrecting people who were dead inside and dead in sin. he is still resurrecting people and your greatest trial, this valley that you're going through, this this pit that you're in, it can become God's greatest triumph. If we, his people, who say we believe, would say, Lord, in this valley, in this trial, use me. You show up when you want to, God, on your time. You reveal your glory in whatever way you want because, Lord, it's not about me. It's all about you. And if I have to go through a trial, use it for your triumph. And if I have to go through a valley, use it for your victory. I'm in. What's your valley? As you just kind of hold on to that piece of an old grave rag. During our time to close today, I just want you to just kind of offer up a prayer to God. To just say, Lord, would you use this? I trust you. And some of you are walking through it right now. I trust you in this, I am in this with you. Heavenly Father. There are those of us watching online and in this room, Lord, that are in some deep pits and dark valleys. But Lord, just like Lazarus, we believe that you are still in the resurrecting business. And God, we wouldn't dare be so bold and be so, uh, we we wouldn't dare just be so audacious to say, just show up now and fix it, Lord. We want to pray a harder prayer. We want to pray a better prayer. Lord, we want to just pray that you show up when you want so you can show off how you want. You show up when you want so you can show off how you want. What we say, Lord, is we're going to trust you. And we're going to trust that you can turn this trial into a triumph in this valley into a victory. We trust you. We believe you. No matter how dark it seems, use us in the same way you used Lazarus, that we would bring you glory and that in our trial, the Son may be glorified through it it's in Jesus name we pray amen the band's going to close us in a new song to listen if you're watching online don't you log off yet I know it's easy to do that right after the message because it's going to rock your world alright and I want you to just hold on to this, this rag and say Lord I want you to use this trial use this test for a testimony I not you stand as we sing